This is a huge, huge, huge edition of DCA. Coming to you here with the Bitcoin price breaking. I mean, that's the Bitcoin candle right now, Bitcoin 24,252. And it looks like we're getting ourselves into another bull market. Is it that or is it a short squeeze? I mean, and how is it that on the day when the U.S. bank uh, collapses and has to get rescued by the Fed that we're getting prices rising so much. That's what we're going to be talking about today. I've got my good friend CTO Larson and my other good friend James with us. James, hey CTO, how are you? Hey, very good. Well, <laughs> it's been a hell of a six or seven days, um, but yeah, we're alive and things are, you could argue, going according to Satoshi's plan. <laughs> you know, maybe we'll talk about very that much very much so, very much as so. uh, I think CTO is muted. I think CTO, I think you've muted yourself, and I can't unmute you. That's right. I thought to sit in the kids' room today to remind us that crypto is still in its infancy that makes it very exciting. And I think none of us expected these past couple of days to play out like they did. But here we are. It's another day. We live another day. And it's more exciting than in a long time, actually. You know, I did a show earlier today. In fact, before we start that, guys, um, first of all, if you're here and you're in class, just tell us that you're present. So I do see uh, Digital Deviant. I see Polar. Uh, Telmo, if you're here, say present. Uh, TND Tesla, if you're here, say present. We need to know who's present. We need to know who's here, who's not here, who's late for class. Also, if you're not subscribed to our channel, subscribe to our channel. Uh, subscribe to the other two channels below. There are links to you guys below. And also like this video because it helps us get distribution. And because this is a little bit of an unscheduled stream, it's at a different time. Um, we appreciate all the help that we can get uh, for you guys to do it. I see you all here. Philip van der Pfeiffer is present. Cal Marion is present. Everyone's present, 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 present. Okay, amazing, amazing, amazing. Let's go. I mean, let's talk about this weekend. So this is how, this is how I saw the weekend. Friday night, I'm relaxing with my family, and I thought to myself, hold on a second. I remember reading that USDC or that Circle banked with SVB. Okay. I looked it up. I realized that it was. I jumped onto Mario and all full spaces, and I said, Mario, I know that Circle was banked with, uh, with um, uh, Silicon Valley Bank, and I don't know how much money they've got there because they hadn't come out with any kind of statement yet. But I think that USDC will depeg, and I think as a result, Bitcoin will actually start going up because people start trading out of their stable coins, and they've got to put their money somewhere, and they put them their money into stable coins, into Bitcoin. That's exactly what happened. I took two trades. The first trade that I took was I shorted USDC. I shorted USDC at one to one. Um, my traders laughed at me, and the reason why I did that was because your downside is zero because you, I mean, where's the stable coin going to go? It's not going to go up. And your upside is the DPEG. I managed to catch some of the DPEG, not all of the DPEG. Um, and I went a little bit long Bitcoin and I, and I think that that's vindicated. Now we've got Bitcoin trading at about 20. Let me just quickly jump in and just check it out. 24,252. Do you guys think that this is the, this is justified or is this a short squeeze? Uh, I can go first if you like. Please. There's, a, there's, a, there's a couple of things happening. I mean, first thing, ladies and gentlemen, I've never been so active. I think like it's literally 24 hours a day for the last couple of days. I know everybody is kind of like that. And I feel bad for the businesses that had things like payroll jeopardized, but everything's happening at the same time. I had people call me, for example, on Sunday who are customers of First Republic Bank saying, 
how do I get my money out and how do I buy Bitcoin now? These are people that thought over the last 10 years that Bitcoin was a scam. And all of a sudden, they're trying to FOMO in. Then you have people like uh, CZ, apparently, with his billion-dollar fund. And you probably know this better. He's trying to buy Bitcoin and ETH and some more of his BNB. Uh, you got people losing absolute confidence. You had people that believed the financial contagion in the banking system would trigger a crash in the risk on markets. And people believe Bitcoin would be a risk on market too. So they got squeezed to hell and so much other stuff. So again, as, as I kick this off with you guys, it's like this is, you know, somewhere Satoshi is laughing, smiling, happy, because we have learned that the financial system is extremely fragile. It moves very fast uh, uh, during banking hours and not at all during non-banking hours. And that's one of the problems with traditional finance. It's so antiquated, it's ridiculous. Financial system's out of date, takes days for things to clear. The FDIC insurance limits of $250,000 is archaic because all the people that have the money have way more than $250,000. And because of inflation, $250,000 isn't a lot of money anymore. And then you have the economy and the shitter. And again, Jerome Powell misjudged. He was late getting to inflation you know, with the whole transitory thing. And he's late hiking too much. And I've been screaming from the rooftops since October 2022. It's broken. That's too late. It'll take six months to see the damage that's been done. And since then, there's been four or five consecutive hikes. So, you know, it's only going to get worse before it gets better, in my opinion. More shoes to drop. Yeah. Well, yeah. <clears throat> I had a similar insight as you ran on Friday evening. It was uh, almost midnight, taking phone. I was thinking, this isn't good, actually. This whole circuit situation isn't good. And then I was thinking, okay, tomorrow when I wake up, maybe I should convert my company, USDC, to something else. But then I thought, no, because I learned a lesson in 2017. One time I had worked out something really great. I thought that this is a fantastic opportunity. I'm going take a shower, and I'm going to sit by the computer, and I'm going to do everything. And when I come out of the shower, this was 2017, the market had changed completely. The whole, the whole, uh, um, everything was completely different. Then I realized one thing, that sometimes when you spend a lot of time in this space, you do get an insight before everyone else. But it might only be one hour before. Maybe your, your insight is just before everyone else, and it's, it can be down to an hour. It can be down to minutes. So then I made a rule for myself that I can share with everyone here, that if you have that insight, I made a rule for myself. I have to execute immediately. I cannot, I cannot go take shower. I cannot go sleep. I cannot go to the bathroom. I have to do it immediately. And so I did that. I converted uh, a lot of company uh, USDC exposure, uh, actually back to BUSD that I converted from uh, last month. And uh, then I felt a lot uh, happier this weekend when this whole thing uh, played out, actually. So uh, I felt rattled by the whole USDC situation that it kind of was that sensitive. And uh, I, uh, yeah, overall, I felt it kind of take the whole crypto ecosystem a step back that we don't have actually any working stable coin that we can trust we escaped it this time but it was a pretty close call uh if they hadn't done this you know it's not a bailout but still if we call it a bailout today would have been absolute carnage for U usdc i mean it and is a bailout. it's a bailout of depositors depositors 
you know, in true capitalism, depositors would have been wiped out and the Fed stepped yeah. in to help depositors. And that's, if, that's what, what we're seeing now. Yeah. Mike, Mike, but then to answer the question, I think exactly like you said, Ram, I think that a lot of people got reminded these two days what Bitcoin was all about, that it was actually to solve exactly this problem. And I do think that it's people jumping into Bitcoin because where else will you go? USDT, BUSD, where, where, where would you go? Uh, it's well, only you can't Bitcoin. go to BUSD. You, you can't go to BUSD because BUSD is linked to the traditional banking system. You can't go to yeah. USDT and you can't go to USDC, which is why I think that this weekend may have been one of those like pivotal moments for, or the beginning of a new pivotal moment for Bitcoin. You know, Bitcoin was created um, in 2008 in a financial crisis, which was very similar to this. The banking system collapsed for different reasons. And we had, since then, we've probably had, I'm not going to say 14 years, I'm going to say about 10, 12 years of building of the ecosystem around Bitcoin and getting it to mature. And now you've got a mature asset, which is ready for adoption. And it feels like if, the, if there is a banking collapse now, which the Fed seems to have artificially averted by stepping in without stepping in, because what the Fed did was very smart. They took two banks which were pretty small regional banks. And they said, we will backstop any depositors here. And the message that they sent to the market here was, we are willing to backstop any customer deposit. They didn't say that. They didn't say, we are going to step in to back any customer deposit in every bank in the US. They sent a signal by saying, hey, there's a program. The program is a 25 billion uh, program. Uh, it is designed to backstop depositors. Um, in these two banks and through that what they did was they managed to avert a massive bank run on the entire system because if they hadn't done it for these two regional banks today we would have seen a massive breakdown of the entire banking system what they also did which i think the market is not really pricing in yet is that we always said that the fed would increase interest rates until such time as something breaks i think james is is the one that's been pushing that the hardest james has been screaming that it's been broken, I think, since late last year. Am I right, James? Is that when you started saying shit's broken already? Correct. Uh, 31 years ago, I used to sit in a small office in Switzerland and manage and build models around risk-based capital allocation. So the writing was on the wall for everybody. Like the Fed has 320 PhDs. How they could not have seen this, I don't understand. And it takes me back to probably a discussion you'll go into later is, is it all on purpose? So let's... Well, so, so so, so, so the, Fed, the Fed raised rates until the crack started to show in the banking system. And that's, that's what happened. Yeah. Now what the Fed has done is they've played an unbelievable, unbelievable, unbelievably strategic move. Because what they've done is they've said, we're willing to backstop any customer deposit in the United States. doesn't matter what bank you're at. Even if you're at a small bank like Silicon Valley Bank or Signature Bank, we will backstop the depositors. We won't back the equity. We won't backstop the equity holders because that's a bailout. But we will backstop the the depositors. By doing that, they averted a bank run. But not only that, they averted all future bank runs until the end of this program, which is in a year from when it started. They they specifically said that the program is a year from now. And what that's done is it's given the Fed the license to continue to raise rates. Because now the Fed can continue to raise rates, 
knowing that the banking system is not going to collapse because the banking system can't collapse because there won't be a bank run if the Fed has backstopped all deposits. So I think what the market is not pricing in is the market is not pricing in the fact that what the Fed has done here is given themselves more time to be able to increase interest rates without a banking collapse. Yeah, I, I disagree with you there, Ryan. So one of the things, well, going back to the big picture, you can't manage risk when the Fed raises rates at the rate that they did, okay? That's first of all, yes. so you can't blame the banks. Second, JP has to see the problem now, and the Fed needs to relent and the need to add liquidity. Liquidity is drying up because everybody now knows the financial markets are fragile, and that's a huge issue. And it has showed uh, you know, the hand of everything that's exposed. I tweeted about an hour ago, higher for longer is now a joke. And you look at the CME futures for the rate hikes. But the big issue is, what they're doing, they're backstopping long-dated bonds with money. These long-dated bonds, as you know, are worth 80 cents, maybe 6, 70 cents in the dollar, depending on exactly what rate they're at. They are backstopping these for a year. Where is this magic internet money coming from? And this is the problem. Yeah, they can pretend, yeah, we're going to jack rates and we're going to go into QT, but they're not. Behind the scenes, they're going to be printing or creating a whole bunch of credit magically. And that's the problem. And eventually they say, this is not a taxpayer problem. Of course, it's a taxpayer problem. It goes on the tab like everything else, QE to infinity, et cetera. I think what the Fed will have to do, what they've been doing for the last 40 years, is find a way to cook the CPI to make it look like two, two and a half percent. And then they'll say, job done, we're successful, yay. And then they go back to printing money. That's the way I see it playing out. Well, listen, Biden's already given us his, uh, his warning, not his warning, but he's, he's alerted us that um, yeah, here we go. I, got, I managed to get the, the tweet for us. It says, uh, Biden says, confident heading in the right direction on inflation. I'm optimistic that CPI next week will be in solid shape. I mean, that's a, leak of, that's a leak of the CPI data. I mean, <laughs> if I've ever seen a leak of the CPI data, that's it. You know, you know they, they make up that number looking at a tiny, tiny fraction of exactly what's going on in the world. And in fact, even the, the Fed is only looking at elements that make up 20% of CPI. So the whole thing is just a farce, in my opinion. I want to show you something. I actually want to show you something. I'm just calling it up here. So this is trueflation. Hmm. Trueflation estimates that the, that the real inflation in the US is 4.56%. And the inflation data, the, let me just try to find it here. Sorry, I've just switched on. Um, I've just switched this on, so it's, it's still refreshing all the tweets. But I have a tweet here with all the expectations for for the rate hikes for the inflation numbers tomorrow, and I think that the that the average inflation number is about the, the average uh, thing is about six percent. So there is a disconnect between trueflation, who's who's got a methodology of measuring the price of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of, of items, versus what the Fed is doing. I don't. I mean, it's it's it's. It, I think it's pretty blatant. <coughs> Lars, what do you think that the CPI numbers come out tomorrow? I, I want to stick first on, I, I don't know what the CPI numbers will be, but if looking at the target rate probabilities, if I can share my screen, um, is it, um, actually, that's the, let me share this tab instead. <clears throat> yeah. So just to remind everyone, last week, last week, the market thought that there would be four or perhaps three more rake height hike steps. It's a one full percentage point. Now we're at 450 to 475. The market think then 
73% think that there will be one step. So 475 to 500 now in March. And then look at this. May, same. No same. more step. June, same. no more step. No, decline, decline. Decline, yeah, decline. Decline, there, exactly. decline. First Even here between same and, and cut in, as many things as we cut in June. July, definitely cut them. Uh, it's lower than it is now. So the market will think that in July we will have lower interest rate than we have right now. Now it's 475. I'm willing to put my left testicle. I've got, I've got two, so I'm willing to put my left testicle on the block to say that there's no rate cut in June. Yeah, no so and then yeah, the market pull, thinks pull, that pull this will. Year. And then mm -hmm. another one, another count here in November. Look here, 400 to 425. That's like two points yeah, below where we are now. And yeah, then and in December, that's kind of the same. And there's even almost as many who think that there will be yet one more in uh, December. So isn't this astonishing? And as a reminder, last week, the market thought that we would have four more hikes from this point, four steps, uh, yeah. one percentage point. And uh, it really shows that the market participants have no idea what's going on. And that's an opportunity. If you can kind of have better analysis. But, but last, thing, last thing, I'm going I'm to remind you that this is exactly what happens at every single Fed pivot. At every single Fed pivot that I've been alive for, they do it until it breaks. And when it breaks, no one knows what the hell is going on. And that's what's going on here. And, I, and I'll prove to you that no one knows what's going on. When you bring that chart up and you say, why would the Fed increase rates in, in March only to decrease them again two months later? That's yeah. idiotic. That's idiotic. Mm. You need to give time for rate hikes to actually take effect. You don't increase rate hikes only to cut them two months later. You don't cut them. You, you, don't, you, you don't increase them if you think that they're going to... to um, to to uh, to cut them uh, later. It's it, it it's it shows you right now that the market has no idea what's going on, and the reason why the market has got no idea what's going on is because this is what happens at every single Fed pivot. Something broke. Something serious broke. It's the banking system. All the regional yeah. banks. I don't have the chart in front of me now, but all the regional banks in the USA today are getting absolutely punished today. Yes. That's what it is. I just shared a tab as well, which goes the CME chart that. Uh, CTO short. Yeah, this one. That's all you need to know, everybody. This is an unprecedented fall in the two year. It's never fallen so fast, so much in the history of the world. These are unprecedented times and the bond market speaks the truth. That's all you need to know. The Fed have to follow this. And that's but wait, just, at 4% now. I mean, I know why, you know why, Larson knows why, but maybe just for some of our viewers, just, just walk us through the two year uh, treasury yield. And just walk us through why this is the leading indicator for what the Fed's going to do. Well, consider this a product that pays you to invest in it. They're only giving you 4% now, but the Fed funds rate is a lot higher. And that's a problem. This is a view to the pricing of money over the next 24 months. The Fed funds rate is what they believe, what they are controlling today in the market. But you always have to look at the two years. It's probably as simple as I can explain it. Um, but this is this is where we are going, ladies and gentlemen, and it probably will fall further, but back down to three three and a half percent, I reckon, by Christmas or early twenty twenty four. 
Yeah, I think I, I think I think I think uh, I think I agree with you. But I think look, tomorrow we have it, it is tomorrow. The CPI numbers are tomorrow, right? Is it, yeah, tomorrow's the fourteenth, right? Or was, or was, or was today, yeah. today the yeah? So tomorrow's the fourteenth. Tomorrow the CPI numbers come out. Um, I think they're inconsequential, but I think we will get a very pleasant CPI surprise because the Fed knows how to manufacture pleasant CPI <laughs> surprises when they yeah. need them. Mm-hmm. When they need them, and then remember that uh, on the twenty second, which is eight days later, we've got the the FOMC meeting, which is which is where they raise rates. Um, okay, um, so we had the Fed bail out the banking system, or the no, sorry, bail out the depositors in the banking system. But if you read in between the lines of what the Fed said, and I'm just going to open this for you guys, just give me a second. They effectively, here we go, here's the statement. It says, uh, we also announcing a similar systematic risk exception for Signature Bank New York, New, uh, which was closed today by state chartering authority. All depositors of an institution will be made whole. So what's actually happened here is they shut down another crypto bank. Uh, I did see a tweet by Jesse Powell, which basically showed almost like a dartboard with all the crypto banks being whacked out of this. And then I want to just add on to that, that um, Nick Carter, who wrote yes. the first article about uh, Operation Chokepoint, he he then now published this and he said, uh, this is very scary, he says, Dear God, Barney Frank openly admits that Signature Bank was arbitrarily shuttered despite no insolvency risk because regulators want to kill off the last major crypto bank which is a colossal, he said it's a colossal scandal. And, and uh, Frank says, for, um, he says, um, I think part of what had happened was that the regulators wanted to send a very strong anti-crypto message. Frank said, we became a poster boy because there was no insolvency based on our fundamentals. There is an attack against crypto banks. In the last three days, the, in the last eight days, they've wiped off three of the biggest crypto players. They've left us with, very few players. I mean, they've left us with with a handful of these regional players. How significant do you think this Operation Choke Point is? Is, is it a real thing? Or is it being manufactured by us crypto people, number one? And can we really have a bull market without solid U.S. on-ramps? I mean, can you have a bull market if U.S. money can't flow into crypto? Uh, last, I'm going to... I'm not last. Uh, James, I'm going to give it to you because... You're unfortunately for your sins, you're based there. <laughs> yeah, you guys are kind of lucky. I think so. Uh, commerce, money, it well, always. Can we just stop? Can we just stop? Can we just stop? Uh, brief crypto. This is your second time late for class in less than a week. You need to do 100 push ups. When, when you're done with 100 push ups, please come back to class. Anyway, James, carry on. Yeah, so money finds a way. I think, um, you know, we've, I'm, I know I've said it on your channel. We've said it together. I don't know if it's six months ago or four months ago, but the powers that be, the big four, the big money centers, we're kind of late to the crypto party. Um, they are also very closely in cahoots with the government. And again, tinfoil hat here, but I'm 60 to 80% sure that this theory is probably correct. The big guys wanted to come in, they wanted to control it, and they are working with the government to wipe out the incumbent players and the reason they have the power to do that 
if there isn't a choke point is they can say, well, look what happened when you had these upstart banks and players and everything else. It's all that happened last year, including FTX. And FTX left a very bad look on the government's face because of how they were so closely involved with you-know-who. Now, um, I do believe money will find a way. On-ramps will be reactivated, but they will. there will be new players in place, and it might take the form of J.P. Morgan or something like that. You, know? you don't think that it's just too risky for any U.S. bank to touch crypto at the moment because it's almost like you're putting a target on your back. It's not about touching crypto. You can't kill the flow of money. Uh, you can try, but you can't suppress it. So if you look at the existing players, look at Fidelity. They're there, and they're a well-established player. They have on-ramps. Coinbase have on-ramps. You can hook it up to any one of your banks, unless you are maybe in the UK with HSBC that acquired Silicon Valley Bank out of Europe, despite uh, hating crypto and everything else. So I, I, I think where there's a will, there's a way where money needs to flow, it will flow. This is just a temporary setback. Mm. Uh, Lars, what do you think? Yeah, <clears throat> I thought a lot about this. I think this will change the game a little bit. One thing that I think will happen as a result of this is that I think we will move closer back a little bit, back to the ethos of crypto. Uh, I think that we will, when the money is in crypto, I think it will stay more in crypto. I think we will get solutions to the things that, for example, Luna tried with, they failed. A lot of other projects have failed, but I think that the problem is solvable from a technical perspective. If Bitcoin, Bitcoin is not secured by putting gold bars in the vault. It's secured by math. It's secured by game theory. And I think that it's possible to make a stable, uh, some sort of stable value also based on math and uh, game theory. It doesn't necessarily need to be based on US dollar in a bank somewhere uh, for that to work. I think the problem is solvable. I think it will get solved. It might take another couple of years. It might take 10 more failed products, but in the end, I think we will get there. So that's part of the answer. I think that the problem we're seeing now is centered around stable coins. I think that will resolve itself then the problem is less. Then you just need to get the money in once. You don't need to get it in and out every single day of the week. And yeah. uh, then I think exactly like James said, if there's a will, there is a way. I, I'm guessing that companies that are doing this central uh, one step in the traditional system, one step in crypto, like Circle, like tether like Paxos, I think they will have an incredibly difficult time because on one side they're trying to service customers, on the one side they have to comply with everything and regulators don't want them to succeed and they're trying to follow all the rules and they end up in an impossible situation in the middle. I think that will be very difficult. Maybe other players will take that role in that. Maybe it would be an Asian company or uh, some other player will succeed. But for clients, for institutions, for companies, for family offices in the U.S. that want to buy crypto, absolutely, there will be a way. 100%, absolutely. If they all go uh, and they want to buy crypto, it's not that uh, the U.S. banks will send all those customers to uh, some other country because they will lose the customer completely. They will not only lose the crypto business, they will lose all the business. And uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think so. And institutions today, 
if they want to get money into crypto. They have subsidiaries all over the world. There's plenty of ways for them to get money into crypto. I don't think that will disappear at all. Um, someone in the chat told me I should look at this chart. I've looked at the chart. I call this the Benjamin Cowan chart because that's the chart that he always told me. This is, this is where him and I grossly disagreed. But I mean, what do you make of this dominance breakout to 45%? Are we saying that the altcoins are going to catch up or are we saying that Bitcoin has had its genesis moment and everyone's now going to go into Bitcoin because Bitcoin is actually sound money? I, I think, can, uh, yeah, sorry, you can go ahead. Jess. Well, while well, you tee your thing up there, I think what's happening is, as I started, I said at the beginning of the show, you've got people coming into crypto now, coming, they're coming into Bitcoin, all they know is Bitcoin, they don't know crypto, but they're afraid for their fiat, therefore they're buying Bitcoin first. That's what you're seeing here. And you got CZ buying Bitcoin. You've got people that have been in Bitcoin for the longest time. And they're now seeing, you know, if they were too young to live through the global financial, great financial crisis in 2008, 2009, you know, under 35 or whatever that age is, they don't know what just happened. The people that have been around and know what Bitcoin's about just had the best advertisement since the great financial crisis of 2008. That's my take. And I think people are flooding in. Again, I had calls yesterday reflecting exactly that. New time buyers, and it's scarce, and there's not much on the exchanges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lars, what do you think? Do you think that this, that, this, that this is temporary, or do you think that this is, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a, a trend, a trend. That's uh, let a, me, <clears throat> if I can share uh, show the chart here. <clears throat> Let's get in the perspective on this. Can you see it? Yeah. So the movement we're seeing is down here. This is Bitcoin dominance, including stable coins. We had this phase like in early 2017, Bitcoin was everything. Then altcoins got a very big move. Then it's been a little bit bouncing back and forth. But the move we're talking about is down here. It's not that big. <clears throat> so it's not that Bitcoin has taken back the whole market or something like that. No, that has not happened yet. There is definitely a spike in Bitcoin uh, dominance because uh, for the reasons you mentioned, but it's still really small. Even if you exclude the stable coins, which has been a debate, right? But even if you exclude the stable coins, there is no real breakout yet for Bitcoin dominance, as you can all see here. Uh, okay. The movie is so, this, this so, candle. So uh, it hasn't, uh, it hasn't um, really changed so much yet. But I, I do think that for a lot of new people who came into crypto, they felt that Bitcoin, it's pointless. What's, uh, what's it all about? We have all these other great projects. Uh, Bitcoin is boring for old people. But I think this weekend, maybe some people have for the first time kind of discovered what Bitcoin was all about. So it could get a revival from this, absolutely. But the move so far is really small. So you think tomorrow we're going to wake up and start thinking again about Mancox and about and about the East Shanghai unlock? Because remember, that was up until Thursday. That was the narrative. The narrative was there's the East Shanghai unlock. There is the Mancox dump, which starts on the 10th of March. Today, the market's saying, look, we don't really care about that. Today, we want to party. So it's almost like, I don't know, it's, it's almost like you know that you've got to deal with a certain consequence, but um, today the market just wants to party. <clears throat> I think we, we've been waiting 
for the pivot barons came out first thing this morning and i i published it somewhere i can't find it right now but basically they're saying oh uh oh fed pivot is in the offing this is the only thing that the fed can do now to keep a candle on things they've gone way beyond where they needed to go everything is broken and remember this this is the craziest thing that you you probably won't hear anywhere but if you look at uh, the market okay this is a treasury triggered event because of long dated bonds all right have you gone and looked at real estate markets and delinquencies on the rise and stuff like that? Have you looked at car loans? Have you looked at the amount of credit card debt? It's a fuck up. It's, it's literally this. Imagine seven or eight different powder kegs. This is the first fuse to actually light one to blow up. And that's regional banks. There's six more in line and, and they are going to blow up. And then you have unemployment. There was a report today, the last two months, were the worst two months in job losses since the global, the great financial crisis. Think about that. There are so many parallels, it's not even funny. And that's why I've been very frustrated with Jerome Powell. It's like, is his head in the sand? Is he trying to bring out his inner Volcker? I'm going to get us to 2% when we've never been at 2%. The whole thing is just ridiculous. So I, I don't know. I, I'll be quiet before I start saying something with a bad root word in it or something. <laughs> it's it's insane. It really is. So, I mean, just, I mean, probably just master, nice little pause to just say, look, we are, there are over 5,000 people watching us live. We're 10% we're, up today on Bitcoin. Just now. Exactly. In a second. Yeah. yeah. 20, we're 10% up. I actually, I looked at the altcoins. I'll quickly call out the bubbles just so that you can see what's going on in the altcoins. I mean, how long has it been since we saw a day like that where we've had, you know, altcoins? Look at this conflux, the Chinese, the Chinese narrative coin up 66% today. Um, render up 28.5%. Uh, um, uh, even optimism up to 263. Yesterday it was like 185 or something like that. So a lot of, a lot of uh, very, very, very strong recoveries happen here. I also just got news. Our research team just sent me news that uh, Coindesk may be being acquired by Binance. So actually, it's not um, uh, Binance. It's actually Coin Mar Coin Market Cap, which is actually owned by Binance. And it says uh, Coinbase, the leading uh, crypto news and events company and a core component of the digital currency group, uh, has been an acquisition target of Binance Capital Management in the recent weeks. They were looking at getting three hundred million dollars. It looks like now they're going to get closer to seventy or seventy-five million dollars. What do you think? Interesting. He can do a better job maybe controlling the narrative, but I don't believe exchanges should own those types of trade rags. I believe trade rags should be very independent, in my personal opinion. I agree. I agree. I, I, I must say, I do think that news organizations should be, um, uh, what's the word, uh, independent and, and shouldn't be, be if, I, by if I challenge that little now, if we look at uh, traditional news organizations, aren't they all politicized and uh, there's no independent news organization? That's, uh, that's us three, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. In fact, yeah. I, I tweeted something on that today. It was a report of how much trust people have in the media. And I'm probably not going to be able to find it right now. Let me try dig. Uh, but it's a classic chart, and it just shows you how horrific things are out there. I'm not gonna, oh, there it is. Yeah. Okay. Let me try share my screen. Just share your screen here. Yeah. Just share your screen. Um, if I go back to here, we are. Sorry about this. Where's my controller? There it is. 
share screen. And it'll be this one. So Jordan Reed says, Jordan Reed says it only pumps when I sell. Jordan, next time let me know and I'll tell you when to sell. Yes. Somebody asked me a question uh, regarding the media, and this is the percentage of Americans that's who say they have a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in newspapers and television news. And you can see newspapers is 16%, television is 11%. That's, that's 90% of people have zero confidence in what they hear on TV. I mean, yeah. that's stunning. I and mean, this, this is the, this is the I, wonder, I wonder if they ran that same poll on uh, Twitter spaces, and they said... What do you believe? What percentage of of the information that you believe on Twitter Spaces do you believe? I think it would be about fifty percent. Yeah, exactly. Twitter is the source of truth, and you have yeah. people like on CNBC, and they're going to Twitter to get their news. Is what's happening in the markets? It's it's hilarious. You forget they the do. fortunes and the barons. I think, and I feel like most news news most news reporting it's like a screenshot of Twitter. And some uh, talk around it. Like the news is like, oh, this person has tweeted. That's like a news article. And then, yeah. yeah. It's but guys, we have, to, we have to talk about the Bitcoin chart. I am dying here. All right, let's go. I mean, show... it's, it's all yours. I'm not talking about the Bitcoin chart because I'm not a chartist, but I mean, it's all yours. So I want to remind, you know, that's why I'm sitting in the kids' room here. Bitcoin is in its infancy. Fiat money is going down the toilet. It's never been clearer than at this point, I think. So there's no limit. How far, if Bitcoin continues to succeed, there's no limit for how far it can go in fiat value because fiat is getting less and less uh, valued. We are getting, <clears throat> so far, we are getting a, a textbook bottom pattern because if you see here, this is like a left shoulder. Here is a head up to the neckline, 25,000. And then if this breaks out here, this will be a right shoulder. That means we have an inverse head and shoulder, bottom pattern for 100 years in the market. Technical analysis is just a way to reveal what the big players are actually doing, not what they are saying. And uh, if this breaks out, it hasn't confirmed yet. It has to break out above little bit above 25,000 and hold there. It hasn't yet, but as you can see, it's very, very close. And I think we have to brag a little bit, guys. We have uh, sat here on this channel and been really positive since pretty much uh, soon after the bottom. And uh, so far it has played out. The trend really turned. The trend actually turned around. And we are so far following through on that move. So all eyes here is on the breakout of this 25,000. I'm not the only person who can identify an inverse head and shoulders. Every big uh, investor in the whole world can do that. So if this breaks out, it really confirms there's going to be a massive amount of FOMO in the market. Then there will probably be some tricks to shake everyone out. But if that happens, and it could happen today uh, or tomorrow or, you know, Next few weeks. You know what, Larson, while you're there, bro, go to the Phantom chart. I see Phantom's having a, a run a run for its for its, for, its, for its money. I, I mean, I'm, you know what, while you're here, I'm going to use some free credits to get some free charting. So maybe you can look at Phantom and just tell me what you think. I'm holding a very big position in Phantom. Very, very big. <clears throat> Let's look someone at that. Here says, someone here says you sound like Colonel Clink. I wonder who's Colonel Clink. I don't know who Colonel Clink is. I don't know that is either. Who is that? 
I'm gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna find a video with Colonel Clink and then let's see if you sound like Colonel Clink while you while you're talking about the fa the phantom chart. Yeah, so the phantom chart is uh, interesting, <clears throat> and if you have a position, you're probably well positioned because sometimes when looking at phantom versus USD, for example, I don't know much about the product, but all you see here is what Bitcoin is doing. So if you look at Phantom versus USD, you just see that Bitcoin dropped in 2022 and then it turned around uh, in 2023. That's all you see. Uh, but if you want to look at specifically what Phantom is doing, not so much connected to Bitcoin's price, it's, uh, in my experience, easier to look at Phantom versus Bitcoin because then you at least to some extent uh, isolate uh, the project as such. And then you see that, that the trend uh, in Phantom actually turned up late last year. Uh, it has made a big move up uh, in, in Bitcoin terms. And then <clears throat> it has a, done this kind of channel. This is called a flag. So after a move up, when price oh, does this oh, kind of uh, oh, if it flag. Breaks out of that flag. If it breaks out of that flag, it's going to be <clears throat> Wayne Lambo or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. So a, a typical chart pattern is this, that it moves up in, in some sort of uh, parabola. Uh, it does this uh, flag. And then if it breaks up on the upside, uh, the target is like a similar move. So you can get wow. pretty high up actually on this one. If it happens, uh, if it breaks on the downside, okay, then maybe not a better luck next time. But um, just one second. Someone send me Colonel Clink. I just want to see if you sound like him. One second. I can't hear it. I think we can't hear it. I can't hear it. Uh, maybe it's because we're on the stream. Or... <clears throat> uh, Okay, hold on. Is that all right? Oh man, I'm using the wrong audio. I've been using the wrong audio all the time. Oh man. Okay. Well, maybe now we can get help. Yeah, we can maybe get some better better sound here. I don't want to put the picture on because I think if I put the picture on, I'm going to get a, a, a copy. <laughs> of the German Army General Staff is due here in less than an hour. One second. You kidding? Straight stuff. Here? I'll design my greatest bomb. <laughs> no violence. Psychological warfare. Who does the best Hitler? Audio or visual? On the phone. Uh, I don't know if you sound like that. I don't know if you sound like that. All right, all right, it's all set. Now, this is so big. Guys, let me stop it before I, get, before I get a strike from YouTube. You know, I will get a strike from YouTube. Um, James, are you taking any trades, bro? Are there any I trades? Am. Yes, I am. <laughs> I just, uh, how did you know I was doing that? I can see that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to say publicly what I did because I don't want people to follow me. But uh, I, I will post it shortly. But it was. I, uh, it I was took a long. What did you do? What did you do? Uh, I, I don't want to say it, but I, I was an options trade. Okay, so wait, tell, I, me, tell me in my ear. Tell me in my ear. Hold on a second. No, it's too dangerous because everyone will kind of do it. It's a very timely thing, and I've been watching it for a while. So um, it's, it's the other leg of one thing I did this morning, put it that way. Just to. I, Hedge. I took a long position on on um, Blur at forty eight cents. The reason why I took it on at forty eight cents is because I just thought that uh, it was very, very, very well sold down, and uh, so I took a, a long position on Blur. 
I increased my exposure to Immutable X uh, at 93 cents. Now it's at 99 cents. And I increased my injective, injective protocol. I in, in, increased at 370. It's not 404. I'm not a genius. I'm just catching, I'm just riding the wave. You know what I mean? I'm just, just riding the wave, baby. Yeah, it's a interesting time indeed. I mean, the, the thing about it is that things are so volatile right now. The premium is very juicy to sell. So that's all I'll say on that. Do you think that Capo is still alive? I mean, I haven't heard from him in a long, long, long time. He's been telling his audience to sell, 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 to short. At, you know, he kept saying that we're going down to 12,000. And no one has seen him or heard of him since. His Twitter account has been dead. Um, do you think he's still alive? Do you think something's wrong with him? I don't know. I think uh, you, you, you were him right a little bit. But, but it's, it's hard. I mean, it, to, to be in the position of the Bears, um, it's funny because a lot of them have been bearish, say, since November 2022. And then when they see the setup we had last week, they were rejoicing. It's like, yes, we're going to get our $10,000 Bitcoin. Like, like you know, you, you've seen them all like saying, yes, the world is ending. Fantastic. But uh, it's just... That, that's why it's kind of so interesting to see that Bitcoin is doing its thing. It is the perfect setup for Bitcoin. It is the perfect advertisement for Bitcoin. A lot of people were freaking out over the weekend, thinking they lost all their money in their regional banks and banks in the U.S. And it's also hit Korean banks and Asian banks and some European banks, too. We all know Credit Suisse is in hot water. So this is, this is why people need that hard asset, that cannot be confiscated or manipulated or taken away. So that's, I think it's just a good time indeed for everybody. That you don't believe that my blur asset is that hard asset. You're only talking about Bitcoin, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, listen, I'm watching the research group, but not, not much going on. I'm, I'm just looking to see if anything else has happened. There, there, we... there, there is one other thing that we haven't discussed apart from the corruption and the Fed and everything else, but that is, there is going to be a hit piece coming out again in the U.S. for Bitcoin mining. It's kind of like the, the third or fourth leg of attacking crypto. Uh, apparently, the New York Times is going to come out with it. Jason Lowry leaked it. Um, so expect that too. And expect all these crazy rules like the U.S. government trying to place a special tax on Bitcoin mining electricity. It really is a, a complete choke point event. But like anything else, it's like if you say to a child, don't touch that. It's bad for you. What's the first thing they're going to do? <laughs> they're going to say, could the U.S. government legally impose a 30% tariff tax on, on electricity used for mining? Absolutely. Yeah, they can make up any excuse and they can work with the local utilities and say, hey, our, our network is stretched. We don't have enough resources. Anybody doing mining, hit them with a 30%. But how do you know? For the big operations, it'll try to, but then, then you're going to get the bifurcation of kind of the yeah. left and the right. It's very clear that the left now is very anti-crypto, and the right has become pro-crypto. Rewind two or three years ago, the opposite was true. And then you're going to have, again, what they call the red states. They're going to embrace crypto, the Texas of the world, et cetera, and they're going to get all the mining revenue and all create all the mining jobs. And it's just, it's just ridiculous what's going on right now. It is very uh, Orwellian indeed. I think there will be a lot of narrative now saying something like this. Look at all the crypto banks. They all went bankrupt. 
And then they kind of forgot about that it was, or they know, but they kind of twist the narrative. And they don't remember that it was the bank who speculated away the money and actually injured the crypto company that were depositors. But they're going to twist that around and say that, yeah, look at the, all these uh, banks that were crypto-centric. They all went bankrupt. Look how dangerous crypto is. Mm. That's the, that will happen for sure. And it's all garbage. I did see something yesterday. Um, I wanted to see if I can find it for you guys. Where it's where? Yeah, here we go. So I saw this this from the Washington Post yesterday. SVB collapse shows fickleness of crypto money. Yeah, exactly. I mean, come on, they were speculating on SVB was speculating on government bonds. It has as far from crypto as you can get. That's where they lost the money. Yeah. Listen, guys, love you guys madly. We will be back here again on our channel uh, next week. Same same time, same place uh, here on the channel. We'll do another edition of, of DCA. I think this is our biggest DCA. We've got 5,400 live viewers, and that's got to be our biggest DCA ever, right? I mean, we haven't, done, we haven't done one that big, have we? Definitely the biggest in 2023, for sure. So now just imagine if every single person watching it just smash the like button. Just imagine how what the YouTube algorithm would feel yes. when, yeah, when when five thousand four hundred people just smash the like button all at once. It's like, you know, it's like what it is. It's like an orgasm for the YouTube algorithm. That's what. So if you want to give the YouTube algorithm an orgasm, smash the like button, and then what we will do is we will obliterate the YouTube algorithm. We'll send it into another world. Um, They're doing it, and that. Thanks, everybody, for being here. And sorry for being a, it's just such a, it's been such a huge past couple of days for everybody. Um, but it's been a good couple of days, as it turns out. Bad for some, good for others. And thank you both for being here and having us all. It's been amazing. Thank man. you, everyone. It's been amazing. Yeah, my trades are flying. So listen, guys, love you madly. See you guys all again tomorrow. Bantafan, don't forget to follow these two legends on their uh, channels. Uh, for the legends from from the other communities that have joined our community, um, subscribe to our channel. We, we are trying to be the fastest growing crypto channel in the world, but we need your help. So just go smash, smash the subscribe button. Someone says Ryan is on Adderall today. Actually, today I'm not on Adderall. Today I'm not. Um, <laughs> see you guys again next week. Until then, trade well, my friends. Trade well. Have fun, my friends. Thanks all. <laughs>